0: Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? God's Letters in yes, yes it did. It, it jumped up a notch. The world is officially different than it was last week. You know, sometimes the world is like that. You go to bed... And the world is one way, and you wake up the next morning, and the world is very, very different from the last time you went to sleep. And you know what? As I think time moves on, that's going to become even uh, more common. And uh, right now, Christians aren't the world's favorite person. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, people don't like Christians, people don't like conservatives, uh, people don't like uh, government. There's a lot of things people don't like right now. I know, but you know, in our interactions with people, I want to make sure that we're keeping the main thing, the main thing. People are going to hate you for all kinds of reasons, but I would rather be hated for Christ than for my political candidate, right? So while it's important to be involved in politics and it's important for people to get out and vote and to make our voices heard. Uh, Above all, make sure that you don't get so passionate about issues and candidates that that's what you become known for is that issue or that candidate. We want to keep the main thing the main thing, which is what? It's the gospel. It's who? It's Christ. Two things that will always come under attack, God's word and the person and work of Christ. Why is that? Well, because they're everything. They're important. I mean, they are the thing to attack. When Christ's work on, I mean, the cross is literally the hinge pin that everything turns on. So first of all, you know, just thinking about just who God is. We, we say it all the time. The old uh, Tozer uh, quote the most important thing about you as a person is what comes into your mind when you think about who God is. If God is perfect, right? Just starting there, is God perfect? Is God good? Yes, of course. And and God's word that he gave to us is also perfect and good, right? Yes, of course it is. If God is perfect, If God's word is perfect, then that means it is authoritative. It carries weight, and what it says matters. Now, the people who just view it from afar—I was there myself. I don't know if I was quite—I wasn't really extreme with it, but I probably—you could have talked me into this when I was in my twenties. You know, people say, "You know, that's an ancient book. That is an ancient book. It's." uh, Old time thoughts and old time morals, and just like the church needs to update and get with the world, it the Bible is outdated in terms of morality. Oh, and the other thing is that it's full of horrible, horrible acts men who do horrible things in that book. And you're telling me that book. Full of horrible things came from a good God. Well, it is full of horrible things. And it's the story of a good God and his horrible people, us. That's the whole story. It was created perfect. It was made horrible when we sinned in the garden and the earth was cursed and it all changed in Genesis chapter 3. And you have this story that plays out through eternity. Uh, First of all, in Genesis chapter 3, God promised to send a redeemer to redeem mankind, to make all things new. And Satan says from the beginning, well, I got to prevent this redeemer. I mean, we have two people here and I've got them. And so now all I have to do is prevent this redeemer from coming. This should be pretty easy. And so you have... Cain and Abel. Ah, this should be pretty easy. And so what happens? Cain kills Abel. So the righteous one is dead. Cain is uh, is a sinner, right? He was already a sinner because of his parents. But now what are we going to do? God sent a replacement son, Seth. So there's this battle that continues through the Old Testament This battle of God promising to send this redeemer, Satan trying to prevent this redeemer from coming, and then enter Christ. Uh Uh-oh, here's the redeemer. And Satan finally says, ah, man, I got him, I got him, I got him. And he's on the cross and he thinks, I got him. I'm about to kill the one who is supposed to be the redeemer. Check. Oh, hold on, not so fast, because while you bruised his heel in the process, his heel crushed your head, Satan, and death has been crushed. Death and sin was defeated on the cross, and just by faith in the person and work of Christ on the cross, that changes everything. And so that's really the gospel. And and so we get the uh, little bit of the, uh, we have the gospels, right? The life of Christ. We have the early church. And then we have this little book at the end, revelation of the kind of end of the story. And so where we are right now, everything that the Bible ever said was going to happen has happened. And people might think, well, where is God? How come you don't hear from God? Like you might see, you know, Quacks and hacks on TV, peddling miracle spring water, trying to tell you that they heard from God. Always remember, prophecy is blasphemy. God doesn't speak to people. We're actually in a very quiet time right now. God speaks to people in His Word, and so there is just a, uh, a an unprecedented time, I think, of um, deception and just all kinds of nonsense. But ultimately mankind we just are very very self-serving in all that we do so uh, the point is make sure that in our conversations with people don't get distracted on politics and issues love people care for people and remember to keep the main thing the main thing and it's the gospel and there's a lot of times people will kind of you if i you know, just catch you off guard and say, what is the gospel? Get the deer in the headlight looks a a lot. And people kind of freeze up and they, uh, um, um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. um, But that Jesus, he, um, see, okay, well back in, okay, so there was Nazareth, right? Wait, well, actually in Bethlehem. And well, so, but anyways, he, so, you know, people just kind of vapor lock. So what I want to do today is just give you five points to remember in your conversations. And I think when you have a good grasp of the gospel, you can slow down and you can calm down and you can just talk to people. See, a lot of times you think, I have to get the gospel out. I have to tell the person this gospel. And you are so busy trying to say, what you want to say that you're not listening to what the other person is saying. So I want to kind of give you a framework, just five points that you can remember. And when people are talking to you, first of all, care about what they're saying, right? You don't have to sit there and wrestle them on every point, everything that comes out of their mouth. That's wrong. You don't have to wrestle them to the ground and pin them, and win. Your goal here is to continue the conversation, keep the conversation going, keep pulling out of your friend, your neighbor, what do you believe? What do you believe? Ask questions. Draw this out. Talk through it. Here's what the Bible says. So these five things. The gospel has five points and it just so happens that you have five fingers. So if you can remember these five points, you can look at your hand and remember them. There's grace, there's man, there's God, there's Christ, and there's faith. Jot those down or rewind and jot these down. Grace, man, God, Jesus Christ, and faith. So the gospel is that heaven is a free gift, right? There's nothing that we can do to earn or deserve heaven. That's God's grace. So in these conversations, that's going to be the starting point for a lot of your conversations, just talking about grace and mercy, the grace and mercy of God. And the next challenge is just understanding who we are, that we are sinful and that we need to be saved. Man is a sinner, Maybe talk about what is sin and why man cannot save himself. Next is God. He is loving. He is merciful. God is love. Yes, but he is also holy and just. So that's where we get the great chasm between us and God. And we need his grace, right? And so how and what? is this message of grace. It is the person of Jesus Christ, your next point. Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man, or as R.C. Sproul says, truly God and truly man. He is our righteousness. Jesus Christ is the only one who ever lived a perfect life, and he bore God's wrath that we deserve so he did two things he lived the perfect life that we can't live so he's our righteousness and he died our death and took the wrath of God that was coming to us so he lived the perfect life for us and he took this penalty of sin for us he did those two things and so what do I do with that information I'm to believe it that's faith and that's your fifth point What is true faith? What does true faith look like? It's not just that, okay, I hear you say that, and you ask me, do I believe it? Sure, I believe that. Why not? That's like saying, do I believe that chair will hold me? Sure, I believe that chair will hold me. Why not? True faith is saying, no, sit, sit in that chair. Rest your full weight in that chair. Bear the full weight of your body, rest fully in that chair. Let it take your full weight. That's what we do with Christ. Christ, you are my righteousness. I have none. I deserve hell, but you already paid that penalty for me. And you said that if I believe, I will have eternal life. There's nothing I can add to that. So I'm sitting down and resting in that, bearing my full weight on you, Lord. That's saving faith. And the result of that saving faith is repentance. Because I understand all of this now, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound, as the Apostle Paul wrote? May it never be. Because of what he's done for us, we love him and we don't want to continue in sin. We will still continue to sin and we will slowly do better. But remember, your friends are going to see you and they're going to see that you're a hypocrite. Why are you a hypocrite? Because you're a sinner and hopefully you're less hypocritical as your life continues, as you become more like Christ and you are sanctified, you, you focus on the importance of this personal holiness. And, and that is your, I guess, love offering to Christ is Lord. I don't want to sin against you. I want to be more like you. I love what is good. Make me more like you help me to do what is good. Help me to stop doing what isn't good. And, uh, just remember, we want people to follow Christ, not to follow you. We want people to follow Christ, not to follow Christians, right? So don't get caught up in all these political issues. Don't get caught up in all these uh, uh, politics and politicians. Are those things that are important? Yes, of course, but they're not what we are to be talking about. If your friends want to bring up political issues and politics and things like that. Remind them these things must take place. God is in perfect control of everything. And this is a plan that is playing out to the return of Christ, which could be coming very soon. And so whether we die and we stand before Christ as our judge or he returns soon, either way, we have bigger issues we have to talk about. How are we reconciled to God? And that opens the door for the gospel. Don't be so uh, focused on getting your five points out that you don't stop and talk and listen. They should be talking more than you. You are there to point them to God's word. You are there to feed them God's word, feed them the answers from God's word, feed them the wisdom, feed them the truth, feed them the gospel. And the more that they hear that from you, the more they will rely on you for truth and wisdom and just helping to work them through these issues of life. Play the long game. I'm not saying don't give the guy, you know, because they're There's two different camps. One side will say, you know what? That's great, Jason. You're telling people to play the long game. In the meantime, you were soft with the gospel today. They got in a car, drove off, and were T-boned at the next intersection and killed, and you were soft on the gospel. You didn't feed them the full gospel. You should have just blurted it out and got it all in there. There's the other side that would say, no, it's discipleship. Play the long game. Develop and cultivate the relationship and always be there, continually feeding, continually teaching, continually building up, continually calling them to Christ, continually calling them to repentance. So which is it? Do I jam, jam, jam? I got five minutes here. I got to jam the full gospel in. And if it costs me the relationship, it costs me the relationship, but darn it, they're going to hear the gospel today. Or is it keep and preserve the relationship, cultivate the relationship, teach, disciple, and play the long game and always the ultimate goal is to always be there in front of this person and with this person, walking through life with this person with truth, feeding them truth, feeding them gospel, and praying that the Lord will draw them and pull them in and open their eyes and open their heart to truth to receive Christ and sit fully in that chair, like you said, and rest in him and And teach them to learn to live resting in Christ and trusting the truth of the Bible. The truth is, I think it's both. I think that we don't understand how much, and we don't know. I mean, not understand. We just don't know how much time we have. It is important to get the gospel in. It's just, um, you understand that the more you talk, um, the less they talk. And the less you know about where they are. So go ahead. Slam the gospel. Full gospel send. Go for it. But please, give them the opportunity to speak. Give them the opportunity to tell you what they think. And use your ears, use your brain, and ask good questions to draw that out of people. Help them and be there to disciple them, live life with them, and play the long game. I think it's both. So those are your points. Remember, grace, heaven is a free gift, Romans 6, 23, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Uh, it, it's a free gift. It can't be earned or deserved. If I give you a gift and you try to pay me for it, then it's something you've you've paid for it. You've earned it. It wasn't a free gift. You can't do anything for for it, Titus 3.5. Next is uh grace is man, right? Uh, man is a sinner. What is sin? Sin's anything that's contrary or opposed to God in thought, word, or deed. We can sin without even doing anything, right? Romans 3:23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3:10 through 12, there's none righteous, not even one. Uh, how far short do I fall? well, the wages of sin is death. How many times a day do you sin? Multiply that by a year. That's over a thousand sins a year. That's a thousand death penalties you have against you every year. Multiply that by your life. You you can't save yourself. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so, it's easier to understand when we see what the Bible says about God. He's loving and merciful, Jeremiah 31.3. I've loved you with an everlasting love. But he's also holy and just, Exodus thirty-four seven. God will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, Hebrews 10.31. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So we're hopelessly separated from God, but he dealt with that in an amazing way. Enter Christ. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So who is he? John 1, 1 and 14. He's God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, what did he do? Second Corinthians five twenty one. He became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Uh, Isaiah Isaiah 53, six says, all of us like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way, but God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So heaven is a free gift that we receive by faith and faith alone. We rest in that chair. It's not that fake, uh, not fake, but temporal, weak faith. Please help grandma get better. Please help me on this test. Please give us a safe plane trip it's it's much deeper than that. it is a resting in that chair and the correct response to that is your fifth point repentance turning away from your sin no longer living for yourself but you're living for God. If you believe you'll obey John 3:36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life but he who does not obey the Son does not have life but the wrath of God, abides upon him. So it's both, right? It's belief, but belief implies obedience. And why do we obey? Because we love him. So what do we do from that? Encourage them to read God's word. Get in the Bible. It's trustworthy. It's from God. It's reliable. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. This is truth we're talking about not fake news like we see, not propaganda that we're bombarded by from every side. This is fixed truth from God. Pray, encourage people to pray, talk to God, show me if what this person's saying true, man, confirm it, show me. It all hinges off how much time you spend in your Bible. God's word and the Holy Spirit does all the work. You have to remember that. They have to remember that. There's a lot there and that was a fire hydrant, But remember. Keep the main thing, the main thing, care for people, care about people, care about their eternal destination. And know what? If they hate you, I mean, absolutely hate you. And there is zero chance that in your mind, you say there is zero chance that this person is ever going to turn to Christ. They hate me and hate Christ so much. They want to kill me. Love that person. And here's what I mean by love that person. I don't mean avoid them, tolerate them. I mean love them. This life is their heaven. Understand where that person's going. If someone is going to hell, if you believe that someone is going to hell, make this life as good as possible for them because this is their heaven. And this is as good as it gets. This isn't our home. This isn't our heaven. We are sacrificing this life for the life that is to come. So make this life good for them. And I bet if you will treat people that way, your goodness just may turn that heart of stone into a heart of flesh that wonders, why on earth would you be so kind to me when all I ever wanted to do was kill you? I hated you. Why were you nice to me? because Christ did the same thing for me. I hated him. I was wicked towards him. I wanted nothing to do with him. And he paid the ultimate price for me. And other Christians were the same way to me. I was nasty to them and they loved me, even though I was completely unworthy of it. Live the gospel, even to the people that are nastiest to you, man. And it's hard right? Because we have our own sin that we're lugging around that causes us to act like Karens and whatever the male version of a Karen is, Kins, Kins and Karens. Stop it. Be like Christ. That, live the gospel, man. I'm just saying. Keep the main thing the main thing. All right. Look at your hand, five fingers, grace, man, God, Jesus Christ, and faith. Just memorize those points. Memorize a couple verses for each one. If you need a couple verses for each one, just email me. I will give them to you. I'll give you a great little framework, a great little outline, but it starts with those five points. That's the skeleton. The verses that you put on each of those two points, get memorize two verses for each point. Those are the muscles that you put on that skeleton. And then just how you talk to people is the skin and the beauty of it, the outer wrapping. You don't need a fancy. It's not how fancy your gospel presentation is. That's not what saves people. It's the word of God used by the Holy Spirit. You be kind with it. Handle with care because it is a weapon, right? It is a two-edged sword. So handle that weapon carefully and lovingly. Be a surgeon, not a butcher, okay? Be very careful and, uh, and love people. Wow, what a week. That has been this episode of letters in grace God's riches at